Welcome to the WTJX News Feed. In today's top stories, the University of the Virgin Islands held its groundbreaking ceremony for the School of Nursing Building on the island of St. Croix. We speak with Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett as Americans brace for another anticipated government shutdown. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority has announced their Clean Water Action Initiative. These stories and more on today's WTJX News Feed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX News Feed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX News Feed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Yesterday, the University of the Virgin Islands held a groundbreaking ceremony for the School of Nursing Building on the island of St. Croix. University President Dr. David Hall expressed his excitement on the expansion of the nursing program. We are doing something that is going to benefit generations to come. I think all of you understand how critical health care is to the Virgin Islands. Uh, the nurses that we produce at this university go on to serve this community in the hospitals, uh, in clinics, in so many different settings. And we want to ensure that they are being trained in facilities that are the best that one can provide because they are the best that we have. <laughs> and so behind you, uh, in months to come, will come out of the earth a facility that will train not only our existing nurses, but will train uh, nurses into the future. Providing remarks, former Senator Kurt VLA recollected on his request to Dr. Hall to expand programs at the university with the implementation of the Masters of Social Work and the Bachelor of Science in Nursing. He moved on to acknowledge the students of the nursing program. You guys are one of the hardest majors, not on St. Croix, no, any place. Yeah. And the St. Croix program, tough. Nurse Lansico, tough, right? <laughs> it's a very, very, very challenging program. But nursing programs need to be challenging because you have people's lives in their hand every single day. So it needs to be challenging. But I want to applaud UVI because our passage rate and NCLEX is up there. Find a program. Caribbean, even on the mainland, find a program where the passage rate is 90%, 95%. But, but we don't look at those little factors. You know, so I tell the students, the program is tough. But you know what? We want you to pass NCLEX. Because if you go back to before we started that program, we had a number of students that went to an institution in Puerto Rico, and I won't call the name, and they came back and they were unable to pass NCLEX. Maybe one out of 20 was passing. And that is why we wanted the BSN on St. Croix so that we could make sure that our local graduates can pass NCLEX and be employed. Early yesterday morning, University of the Virgin Islands research specialist Christina Chains received a call about damage done to a federally owned moisture monitoring device in Bordeaux. We spoke to Ms. Chains to tell us about the incident. The farmer's market um, off to the left, there's a water collection container. It's big and black. It's near the bathrooms. And there's what's called a honeycomb. 
that is attached to a pole which is in the ground and that monitors um, temperature, soil, moisture, um, things of that nature. Directly across from that at the entrance where the steps are is a um, rain gauge. It's a copper um, instrument. It's about 36 inches tall. And those two pieces of equipment are used together to collect data for the National Weather Service and for NOAA, um, for the meteorologists, climatologists, and hydrologists that work with the U.S. drought monitors. And that equipment, um, the honeycomb specifically, was vandalized, if you will. It was disconnected and somewhat torn apart. Um, We have a volunteer um, up there who every morning between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. goes and records the data digitally for us and then sends myself and the National Weather Service in Puerto Rico a text so that we can collect the data and then share that with the drought monitors. There are five locations across the territory. We had three. One of the instruments broke down. Um, and in 2018, I began asking the National Weather Service and NOAA if we could expand that from the three to possibly five. Um, and so we were able to do that in November of 2022. Because Bordeaux is a prominent area for agriculture um, with the Department of Agriculture, it was um, important to document and collect data related to rain or precipitation, and that would be allowed to be um, reviewed by the drought monitors. And they're the ones who basically tell us what the rain looks like and then makes the determination for drought in the territory, but this particular instrument is the actual federal piece of equipment that um, is not ours. It's owned by the National Weather Service and NOAA. Ms. Chains further detail how the damage to the monitoring device will affect the territory. You know, the livestock farmers, they get the livestock forage program, which means if there's a drought, they're eligible to get um, funding for hay or feed. Um, and, of course, the producers who collect water in ponds or cisterns or in collection containers, such as the tanks, um, you know, that's paramount for them to know what kind of precipitation we're having and what our level of drought is. In early, um, late July, August, and part of September, we really hinged on a very severe drought. We're in a 10-year drought now. So instruments such as that are hard to get and must be monitored daily. So any disruption to that or that data collection is paramount to the agricultural community. And the governor cannot write a drought declaration unless the drought monitors are able to um, look at the data, evaluate the data, and determine the level of drought in the territory, and specifically that piece of equipment in Bordeaux is part of what's used to do that. You know, it's not something that I could just call and get replaced tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And even though I have grant funding, it's not a piece of equipment that I'm allowed to buy. While Ms. Chains and other team members have been able to temporarily fix the device and receive data from it, she highlighted how the incident will affect the territory as a whole. The broader message is 
you know, we all collect water or the home gardeners, the micro producers, the large producers, the livestock and poultry farmers, you know, we have to work together and instruments like these are hard to come by and not everything can be purchased and replaced. So just being vigilant, working together and understanding that it takes a village. And as we saw in the 2017 storms, you know, nobody came to help. So when we do get help from the federal government, such as instrumentation like this, we really need to do our best to secure it. In a similar move that cost former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy his position, newly appointed Speaker Mike Johnson plans to prevent a government shutdown by considering another stopgap measure to temporarily fund the government. We spoke with Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett as members work to keep the government open. As you know, right now, um, we are looking at the government shutdown, and there is uh, continuing resolutions that are going on to the floor. Um, this is really different in a Republican-run uh, majority because what usually happens is that um, when the Democrats are in power, members of the territories vote on the floor when we're in committee of the whole. And in the past, that hasn't been the case when Republicans have been in um, the majority. However, in this Congress, the members of the delegates, there are more Republican ones than there are Democrat ones. And so the Republicans have kept the us being able to vote on the floor in committee of the whole. And so, right, these next couple of days are really busy with lots of amendments coming up. I'm grateful that one of the amendments that I offered, which was to prevent cuts to the insular territories, the um, Insular Affairs Office at the Department of Interior, there was supposed to be a 20% cut. And um, this Congress passed an amendment that I'd offered to make sure that that cut did not take place. So, um, you know, there's going to be a flurry of votes all very late into tonight and tomorrow, but we think that we'll avert a government shutdown. You're in the WTJX news feed. In our conversations with Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett, we spoke about the $22.4 million in grant funding for the Wilfred Bumpa Alec Terminal on St. Croix. The Department of Transportation awarded the Port Authority a grant that the Port Authority applied for. And so we're really grateful that the Port Authority was able to do that. Um, but it was through the Port, um, the Department of Transportation's Port Infrastructure Development Program. And this was a program that was put in through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act um, in 2021. And I was worked very hard on that legislation um, when I was a member of the Ways and Means Committee, when Democrats were in the majority um, for the president to sign. And over the last two years, our office has really been pushing Virgin Islands agencies to apply for the money that's sitting there and waiting for them um, that we've made available through that piece of legislation. You know, everybody calls it the Bipartisan Infrastructure um, Bill. That's the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful that the Department of Transportation, I've had several conversations with Secretary Buttigieg um, that 
listen, you've got to give the Virgin Islands its fair share of this. And so I'm grateful that the Port Authority was able to make use of the money that was sitting there um, to be able to do the reconstruction of the St. Croix Terminal. Earlier today, we caught up with Fly the Whale President Omar Ursulchuk on how Fly the Whale has been doing in the territory since the company began operating in the Virgin Islands. You know, to date, we, we've really been in the market only about uh, six months and uh, we're we're very happy uh, with the you know the results that we've seen, and um, we're extremely. Um, uh, I think the right word is is just fortunate. Uh, we have between nine and twelve round trips a day, which is eighteen to twenty four flights, and um, we do expand that envelope uh, from time to time when there is demand. And we see that there is likely demand to um, increase the permanent side of that schedule, but we're going to do it over time. It's it's slowly building, and um, as a company in the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, in addition to the uh, the jobs that we create, and we employ over thirty people in the in the USVI, is to make sure that transportation between St. Thomas and St. Croix is is seamless and, and stress free and safe. Mr. Ursulchuk spoke on the possibility of Fly the Whale expanding into the Puerto Rican island of Vieques. We've had the, the pleasure of um, the delegate at large and his team have set us up with a meeting with the mayor of Vieques. And we, we talked through some of the aspects of providing service to Vieques. And it's just a little bit further to get to Vieques than it is to do uh, St. Thomas, St. Croix. And as you know, St. Croix has a very rich history of uh, Viacensas that have that moved here um, over the past you know, 100 years. And um, we feel that there is indeed a market. Uh, we're very interested in adding um, some service to Vieques. Uh, we don't know if you know what that's going to be. It'll probably be just two flights a week to start. And if, if those fill up consistently, uh, we'll add more service. Uh, but that that's the objective right now. Last Wednesday, Chief District Court Judge Robert Malloy made the announcement that United States Magistrate Judge Ruth Miller will be retiring in July. We spoke with Judge Miller on what her time has been like serving as a magistrate judge. It has been um, an incredible experience. Um, and it's, it's 13 and a half now, and it'll be 14 when I retire. Um, it's been um, an amazing time to <clears throat> be part of this community and the law enforcement and civil issues that I've had to deal with um, have been incredibly interesting. And I've really enjoyed um, serving the community for this period. While Judge Miller is not a native to the Virgin Islands, we asked if she had plans to leave the territory. I've been here for 30 years, uh, so I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon. But what I'm going to do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I'm looking forward to having for the first time in you know a, a quite a long adult professional life, not having anything scheduled to do every day. You know, I'm hoping that my husband and I will be able to travel, uh, see family, see some places in the world before we can't travel anymore. Uh, and so um, 
I'm kind of leaving it open at this point. Judge Miller was appointed as magistrate judge for the division of St. Thomas St. John on April 26, 2010, and was later reappointed on April 26, 2018. She commented on what she hopes to do in retirement. One thing that I've always wanted to do, which I've really not had enough of a chance to do, is to teach. And if there was an opportunity, say at UVI or in connection with the high schools where I could um, make a contribution in that regard, I would love to do that. I, I think one of the best parts of being um, a magistrate judge is I've had a lot of chance to help train attorneys. And I have a big interest in professionalism and civility and being able to help advance that cause, um, you know, through teaching in, in the college or high school level, I think would be um, really rewarding. I would, I'd like an opportunity to do that. While speaking with Dwayne Henry on Analyze This with Neville James, Former Senator Positive Nelson spoke about the progress of the Virgin Islands Cannabis Advisory Board. We, we have some timelines, so that we're hoping that in, by in January a, a patient or maybe late December a patient mm -hmm. registry is going to open. Mm -hmm. you know, patients who are qualified in some kind of way or the other can you know, uh, uh, register. Uh, we should hopefully in some time around March uh, we put out a, a seed, seed, seed to sale contract. We, you know, RFP is going to go out for these. Uh, you know, what's taking long, and just to explain to people, is, you know, in government, unfortunately, the bureaucracy <laughs> of government getting, mm -hmm. if, when you drop a contract language, it has mm -hmm. to go to a couple of agencies to make right. sure of all these things and then come back and mm -hmm. it's taking. So if you consider that the law was signed in January right. and we're now in October, and people say it's taking a long time, but almost in all places where this thing got legal, it took about uh, two, three, four, Absolutely. five years before Absolutely. it actually got to actual. Absolutely. So we're trying to, you know, because we have some models to follow, we're trying to, to move mm -hmm. along, you know, as hastily as possible. But, you know, and there's been some challenges with the board being stagnant for a while because mm -hmm. of board membership. So right now, they, they, as you know, the comment period is over and the, the summarization of the feedback we've gotten during the comment period has been, it's been summarized and then right. it's going to be contemplated as to what, what are warranted, you know, <coughs> amendments that we might... And this is to the rules and the regs. Right. There are some changes that need to... Some amendments need to be to the law. And, our, and as far as the executive branch, the governor, he, this is high energy priority. You know, get right. it done, get it done. I'm quite sure many people knocking on his door. Mm -hmm. The cannabis trend, as we see... Me for one. I mean, uh. hey, man, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's... I thought, when I pursued it then, I also I was like, okay, we need money in the economy. Here's a low-hanging fruit. You can listen to the full conversation on the WTJX app. You're in the WTJX newsfeed. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority's Director of Communications, Chanel Peterson, has the details of the Clean Water Action Initiative being implemented by the authority. We are pleased to announce the Clean Water Action Initiative. This coordinated effort with several local and federal agencies will give access to clean drinking water to St. Croix residents who live in the areas impacted by lead and copper. For more information, please visit www.cleanwaterusvi.com. We remind the public that the utility's water remains safe for bathing, flushing, cleaning, and laundering clothes. However, a no-drink advisory is still in effect for consuming and cooking. 
Department of Health hotlines are available for residents with health concerns related to lead at 340-712-6299 or 340-776-1519. DPNR also operates a hotline related to concerns on water sampling at 340-514-3666. All hotlines operate Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. As we continue in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. Police in Puerto Rico have said that a surgical dentist fatally shot a patient who entered his office on Friday and allegedly assaulted the dentist and his secretary. The 41-year-old victim was reportedly upset about recent dental work he had done. The incident occurred in the north coastal town of Manatee, which is west of San Juan. Police say the incident is currently under investigation and no charges have been filed at this time. In Haiti, local media reported yesterday that a powerful and feared gang leader, who was once a math and physics teacher, was killed in a neighborhood that he controlled for years. The death of Iskar Andris has raised concerns that already rampant gang violence could spike further with his death. It is not immediately clear what day Andris died. The U.S. said that Andres, like other gang leaders, created a social foundation in 2015 known as the Silo Foundation to win over the community he controlled and present a positive image of himself. Andres and other gang leaders were accused of leading several deadly raids on Haitian neighborhoods that targeted civilians. That's according to a report by the nonprofit National Human Rights Defense Network in Haiti. We turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Mostly sunny skies continue at St. Croix. There's the chance for a few scattered showers, mainly towards sunset. Temperatures will hold in the upper 80s to near 90. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John will find mostly sunny skies as well. Bit warmer, highs near 90. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. The heat index as high as 102. Tonight, it's mostly clear after scattered showers taper off across St. Croix. Temperatures will fall back into the upper 70s to near 80. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, any scattered showers early will give way to mostly clear skies. Overnight, lows will fall back into the upper 70s to near 80. Winds also from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Bright sunshine emerges during the day on Wednesday at St. Croix. Temperatures will reach the upper 80s to near 90. Winds from the east at 10 to 15, gusts as high as 20. And at St. Thomas and St. John, also sunny as well. A bit cooler, highs only in the upper 80s. There's the risk for a stray shower in the afternoon as well. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you miss a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.